Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's no stopping Jim Brown on an effort like this. He goes over the top and into the end zone for his fifth touchdown of the day. Have you ever seen an image of strength like this? A picture of power like this? portrait of courage like this ask yourself these questions because the answers tell you how superhuman this man really was ask yourself these questions because his whole life that's what Jim Brown was about we cannot make exception to these laws just because a person happens to be black or white forcing the world to ask why things were the way they were and how the rest of us could force change. This is Jim Brown. He has power. You ain't see nobody knocking. Now look at the film. You don't see nobody knocking. Most devastating ball carrier in the history of football. He was born in the South, St. Simon's Island off the coast of Georgia in 1936, and raised in the North, a small town on Long Island, where his legend as an athlete began. Any sport Jim Brown played, he dominated. From football, to basketball, to track, to lacrosse. Even though there's little video of him playing that last one, there were those who said there's never been a better lacrosse player who walked the earth. But football was the game that lifted him to stardom. First at Syracuse University, where he was an All-American. And then at Cleveland with the Browns. His NFL career began in 1957 and he played in the league for nine years, absolutely dominating the sport and rewriting the record book, setting a new standard for how a running back could rule the game with a combination of speed, force, and will. But Jim Brown was so much more than arguably the greatest football player of all time. That was clear when he retired before he turned 30 to become a new kind of pioneer a black action star in the movies, a Hollywood leading man who refused to be cornered into how the world cast him. And that was just the start of the legacy he built outside the football field. During the civil rights movement, he was front and center in the fight to earn blacks economic opportunities. And in 1967, he organized the famed Cleveland Summit to support Muhammad Ali and his refusal to serve in Vietnam. Then, in the 1980s, he founded the Can program to provide outreach to gang members and kids in juvenile detention facilities to give them education, hope, and a chance when no one else would. We have changed many, many lives. And as I stand here right now, our people can carry out the work. They don't need me. And when I leave here, they can still carry out the work and they don't need me. 
Even if he sometimes looked like Superman, Jim Brown wasn't a perfect man. But he was one of the most important figures ever to make a mark in the landscape of sports and society. He changed the game of football with his play. He redefined the limits of what a black man could be in America. Through his strength, his power, and his courage, he never stopped looking for ways to make the country better for those of us who followed in his footsteps. Rest in power, Jim Brown. We'll keep doing the work in your name. Incredible stuff there as we welcome you into Cleveland Browns Daily. Bo and Gibby here, and uh, we'll have Joe Thomas and Deke and uh, Bubba Ventrone is going to join us at the bottom of the hour as well. Uh, obviously, we were off the air Friday um, when the news broke of the great Jim Brown's passing. I won't pretend to, to know Jim Brown or to have – I think we've had him on once or twice in the time that I've been here once for sure that I remember. Um, but what I can tell you just from the standpoint of – there's a couple of instances where you do this job long enough and you get a cross pass or be in the same room with greatness. And even amongst greatness, there are those that elevate. And the only other instances that I can recall being in a room with greatness where greatness elevates even amongst the great um, was Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali. And Jim Brown had that type of gravity to him. When he walked into a room, and we were lucky enough to see him around the facility from time to time, um, when he walked into a room with NFL stars, or certainly that, that the images are, are making the rounds of LeBron bowing to him in, a, in an Eastern or NBA or Eastern Conference final game a few years ago, um, those images of the greatest, most important, best athletes, and when Jim Brown walked in the room, it stood still. Uh, I've been in a room with Michael Jordan. It had the similar effect. And I've been in a room with Muhammad Ali, and it had a similar effect. There was a gravity to the man. There was an awesomeness in the truest sense of the word to the man. Um, we've had some time now to reflect back on on the accomplishments, the athletic accomplishments. They're just stunning. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous what was accomplished across many sports fields. Um, it's remarkable what was done in the name of civil rights in a time where it could not have been more difficult to do so. Um, as the piece said, was not a perfect man, had his flaws, um, but fought till the dying end. And when you think about the Cleveland Browns as an operation, um, it starts, it is, it is Paul Brown, it is Jim Brown, it is, they are linked forever and there's a reason that that statue is the one that's out in front of the stadium obviously auto joined as well um but but he is we are forever linked to him and him to us and his greatness transcends anything um that you've seen before or since uh Gibby obviously you've crossed paths with him more than I from the standpoint of been around a little bit longer been in town a little bit longer um what what jumps out to you on the man in terms of your recollections you know when you when you see players and you you have relationships with players, you use you call them by their first name. Mm -hmm. Hey, Joe, you know, yeah. Deke, mm -hmm. you know, the nickname here, nickname sure. there. Anytime he walked into the room, it was Mr. Brown. That's right. Like, and and I don't know if he necessarily, if it bothered him one way or the other, or if he wanted to be called. It was always Mr. Brown. Like when I when I started doing this eleven years ago, mm -hmm. it was always Mr. Brown. Yeah, Mr. Brown is in the building today. That's right. That's Mr. It. Brown is at practice today. That's right. 
and you were like, okay, well, that's a big deal. Where's he at? Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to go by and say hi. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know me from a hole in the ground. No. It's okay, but, like, my father knows who you are. Yep. My uncles know who you are, and that's because they watched you live and in person do what you did. Yeah, the um, – that's, that's interesting. Mr. Brown is in the building. Yeah, I, I certainly remembered that a lot. Yes, anytime – like, yeah. it was – when Mr. Brown was in the building from a security standpoint, you know, this – You'd walk in. Yeah. At, I didn't necessarily need to know. <laughs> like, no, I, but I'm it, not anybody. But it was. By the way, Mr. Brown Mr. is all in the building. Yeah, that's true. That that is that resonates when you say that. Um, yeah, his um, his he's he's a force of nature, man. Um, and you start you you look back and you think about as a rookie out of Syracuse. Um, running for almost a thousand yards and thirteen touchdowns in eight games, he had nine eighty six in eight games. Um, broke uh, the the record. Uh, he had six touchdowns in a single game. They, they drafted him sixth overall. Um, he is two hundred and thirty seven yard performance in his ninth game of his rookie year was a record that stood for almost four. Rookie the rookie record stood for forty years. It was a single-game league record for 14 when he did that all the way back in his rookie season. He is still the only rookie to be named MVP of the National Football League. That that happened. Um, he was that. Um, there's a, I'm reading Poizel's piece. He read it over the weekend and uh, pulled it up here again in terms of summarizing. And um, There's a, a great quote from, from Jim talking about Paul saying, Coach Paul Brown liked me. He said to me, you're my running back. You're my running back. It was the sweetest words I've ever heard as a professional football player. And uh, as Poizel writes, for seven of the next eight years, Brown led the league in rushing yards, became the first player to ever score 100 career touchdowns, an accomplishment only eight other players have achieved despite the league expanding to its 16 games in 1978 and 17 in 2021. Brown's accolades came when the NFL had a 12-game season, the first four years of his career, and 14 in his final uh, five. Um, he also, uh, of course, shocked the sports world with one of the more shocking retirements at the time in 1966 when he retired from the league coming off of a 1,544-yard season with 17 touchdowns um, for to pursue an acting career. Um, did so on the set of The Dirty Dozen and then went on to appear in, what, 50 films and television? And I had no idea about So it. active, yeah. Um, the last thing I remember seeing him in was Any Given Sunday. And any scene he was in in that, he crushed. I mean, he's with Pacino, yeah, and he's crushing it. I just watched that last year. I hadn't thought about it forever, and um, I watched it last year. And even even next to one of the greatest actors of all time, like he's he's just chewing the scenery um, with him. He was um, it, it, so there was that, and then of course there's you know there's the off field uh, when you talk about. The, what he did for civil rights, the Cleveland Summit, of course, uh, with Kareem and Bill Russell, and everybody came here to to be on Muhammad Ali's side during the during the uh, Vietnam War protests back in 1967. So all of that happened. Um, part of the what's now known as the Black Economic Union, like he stuck his neck out for social and civil rights at a time where it could not have been more difficult to do it. I mean, this was man, 1968 in our country. Whew. And he 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 went he went yep. into every room and he said I got this and and everybody looked for his guidance on it 
Um, this is a quote from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, for me, that picture signifies the increasing willingness of black Americans to come out of their comfort zone and confront the powers that be on the issues that were important to us. And it's an image of uh, the th four people sitting at the table left to right are Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he was who was in the center? Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he he lived his life the way he wanted to. Yeah. He walked away from football and became a silver screen legend. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then moved into the civil rights and then you know founded AmeriCan. Yeah, that's like, true. And, right. And everything he did there, everything he he just. He left his mark everywhere he went. Like, he, he just – what he did for this country mm -hmm. and what he did f on the football field. I mean, the football field's almost almost minuscule compared to – Yeah. And yet, if you talk to most people that have been around the game, they're probably – he's one of the top three greatest football players ever. I think when you do the – anytime you do the – if you extend it beyond the quarterback position because of what has become an over-dependence on the quarterback position in the sport, when you do greatest player regardless of position, you know, it's Jerry Rice, it's Lawrence Taylor, and it's Jim Brown. Yeah. Like, those are the guys that feel like they elevate, you know, even amongst the best. Um, yeah, it's – you know, the other thing that I think has been really cool just since I've been doing this with you guys is the um, – I think, like, what – the Haslam family has done had done for Jim was great in terms of how they really put their arms around Jim with the statue and, and the various things that have been done. And I know we'll have Joe on in a little less than an hour and give his perspective, but um, he was in, in the years that I've been doing this giveaway, he was when health prov provided and allowed, he was omnipresent. He was here a lot. We saw him a lot. Um, yeah, he had his own golf cart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right. yeah. This is this is Mr. Was, Brown's golf cart. That's right. Someone's going to drive – one of our security details yeah. is going to drive him around. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. he took the time. He talked to every player. Yeah. Anyone that came over, he would talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting. It's – we've been such – you know, all of the guys on the social team have been so great – with this over the weekend and, and everything that's online. And uh, I know we're going to hit on some of this stuff, the 32 things about Jim Brown and, and all these other things, but um, he is so much of the identity of what made the Browns great and made them one of the most successful franchises in the history of the NFL. So much of it is at his feet. It really is. I mean, yeah. It's, um, it's a stunning thing when you look back at, at that time with uh, Otto and then, and then obviously Jim Brown and and all that he had done. Look, look at look at the the Patriots tweet with Belichick. Boy, that hit didn't it? I mean, that hit different. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, folks, the Patriots tweeted out. This was on Friday, and it was I forget the exact uh, yeah, I'm verbiage looking on for it. It, it right was like now. it was like greatness and the greatest or something like that. And it was a picture. Belichick does this. We've talked about it before with Donovan. Yes. Belichick is very dialed in and appreciative of Brown's history from his time here and also just as a football historian. And so one thing that he always does anytime the Patriots play here is before they go to the plane, he takes the bus to the Jim Brown statue and they yep. all get out and they go look at it and they put out an image of Belichick looking up at Jim Brown's statue. 
Yeah, it so. says a legend and a leader were d- deeply saddened to learn of the loss of the NFL great Jim Brown. And it's the image of Belichick looking up at Jim Brown. Yep, I just retweeted it from the Browns Daily account. Yeah. So, but uh, and I mean, it had his effect. I mean, the the NFL rushing leader going forward will always be known as the Jim Brown Rushing Award yeah. winner from that season. And Emmett uh, Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders announced that at the NFL Honors in February. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember no, Barry always said that his dad, no matter what he did, he would his dad would always say, "Well, you're not Jim Brown." Yeah, like he always held that over him. Yeah. He's like, no matter what he rough. did, <laughs> no matter what, no matter what you did, you're not, you're not Jim Brown. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it is a it is a monumental loss for the football community, uh, for the country, in terms of what he did off the field as well. And um, you know, I, I know there a lot of people are hurting here in Berea, and I know that conversations are underway now for. You know what will be probably at some point a celebration of life. Oh, it's got to be. You know, yeah, it's got to be. Um, All any of us want, you know, and none of us will, will be able to. I mean, we're just you're not built in the way that he was, but you just want to live a life of significance. Yes, in your own world, and he most certainly did. Certainly had his flaws. No man is perfect. Correct. Um, but also, you know, I saw something this weekend. I don't even know how it crossed paths or how I saw it. Um, it was after. I, I it hopped on Twitter after one of the days of, of youth sports and was kind of scrolling through and I saw somebody put, I don't know whose idea it was. I apologize. It's, I don't know where I saw it. Um, I just remember seeing it. It was somebody saying that a really cool thing the Browns could do is to have every player wear 32 on the helmet. So you know how we have the I throwback. saw Rhoda. Rhoda. Was it Kenny it. who did it? I, that's, I saw Or that's Rhoda, maybe where so you maybe saw it. Took okay. It from? I don't know I don't who. Know. Okay. That, it could have been there. I, I don't yeah. know. But I just saw, I saw that. And I thought, God, that's it. Because we have that. We have open sides of our helmets. And to put a 32 on. Yes. For, so every player on our team has 32 on the side of the helmet. And I got news. As I was thinking about it, I know it seems crazy. Or maybe it doesn't. I thought maybe that's the permanent Browns helmet. Maybe the permanent Browns helmet is that with a 32 on it, and that's it, and that's the way you do it. I don't know. But I, I just thought for this year at least, that one struck with me because I just – how cool would that be to see that 32 on the side of the Browns helmet yeah. all year on every player? Well, I mean that – I love that. That's better than any patch. I think with, with, with I any... think so. I think – I mean, you think of a guy – jeez, I think that would be such a cool thing. It might have been Kenny. That that's, rings true that that might have been where I saw it. Yeah, but I saw I mean, that, that this weekend, and I stopped my tracks. I'm like, that's it. That's what you do. Yeah, I'm, and, and frankly, I feel like every team in the league should have a 32 pack. There will be. It'll be a lot I like mean, Bill it'll, Russell. Bill, Bill Russell. Everybody's got the six. I think you'll see 32s around on everybody in the league. I th- I, I'm sure that'll be the case. Yeah, he's that type of. He is on an American sports Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. Um, that's the. That's what that's what that guy's all about. So we'll do our best uh, to honor him appropriately, appropriately today. Uh, give me a great job out of you. We got Hoff to talk about it. We'll have um, Deke to talk about it as well. So that'll come up in the second hour of the program. We'll get to some of these other facts about Jim Brown. It's stunning, uh, the list of accomplishments and, and the, the great breadth of accomplishment that he has. We will get to that. Bubba Ventrone will be on set with us here in about uh, 10 minutes or so at the undisclosed location. We're off and running Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And renew your home for the last time with Renew Home Exteriors siding and roofing products. Bo here for the Renew Home Exteriors team. Don't spend all day with the high-pressure sales guys. Who needs it? Your time's too valuable. The team at Renew won't waste your day with hours of negotiating. Instead, they offer an upfront fair price to make your project easy, and that's the idea, isn't it? This month, take advantage. Pre-pandemic pricing plus no interest or payments for 24 months. Visit RenewHomeExteriors.com. Superior product, superior service. Again, Renew Estimate. Dot com for more on that uh, reflecting on the passing of of Jim Brown and um, and just an incredible life um, we had this on the I really encourage you to go see what all the, what the digital guys have done Poizel's worked really hard on a lot of this stuff we've Our seen video the video production. guys have just crushed it like the, some of these plays that they've pulled up this old archival footage it's absolutely stunning stuff um, there's a list of 32 things that are still true about Jim Brown for example, I would not have known, despite playing in 118 games, he still ranks among the NFL's all-time leading running backs and rushing average. He's third, rushing touchdown sixth, rushing yards 11th. Um, he was number one until Walter Payton broke it, right? I think so. And like then in Payton got, yards, got by Emmett. He's like 11th now. Right, because we've had a like, lot of what? guys. Yeah, we've had a lot of guys that have stacked. I mean, you're playing – you know, you go from he played twelve and fourteen game seasons. Now you're playing sixteen. You've played sixteen forever. Now seventeen game yeah. seasons. So it's just a totally different. Um, he's a member of the fiftieth anniversary, seventy fifth anniversary, one hundredth anniversary. I promise you this: he'll be a member of the one hundred twenty fifth anniversary and the one hundred fiftieth anniversary uh, All NFL Team. Um, won that title in nineteen sixty four. Helped the Browns to three championships uh, at that point. It's interesting. On the we had that in the video that you played off the top about the lacrosse stuff. It's so interesting how that line about having, have, despite no one having actually seen him play, like it was kind of a little bit of a Bo Jackson yeah. mythical factor yes. to it. Like those who did, it was like, no, he's the best lacrosse player of all time. It's not particularly close. Um, and that was the end of it. In fact, he's enshrined in the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 1984. So he's been in that. He's been in the NFL Hall of Fame since 1971. He's one of those ones. Um, I don't know when's the last time you've been to Canton, but we go a couple times a year. Boys love it. And his bust is one of those ones that just jumps out when you walk in. It's one of those first ones to the left, and it just absolutely jumps out uh, when you've done it. No Brown has worn number 32. As we said, I I love the idea of putting the 32 on the helmet this year. Yes. I think, like, on the side of the helmet, like a logo, I think that would be absolutely incredible. The nine Pro Bowls, three-time NFL MVP, as I mentioned, the only still the only rookie to be an MVP of the league. He did that in 1957, and then he backed it up in 58, then again won the MVP in 1965. He's the only non-quarterback in NFL history to win the award three times. Um, as I mentioned, NFL rookie of the year in 57 as well. First player in NFL history to eclipse 10,000 rushing yards. I mean, it's just absolutely nuts uh Syracuse retired as number 44 the acting as I mentioned I know a lot of people go dirty dozen and that you know if you're of a certain age for me it was any given Sunday and I mean it's pretty amazing when you see him in scenes with with Al Pacino and he's right there dominating and holding the screen with Pacino I mean he just had that charisma we led the show with this he was he's one of those few people that even amongst great he elevates. There's a gravity to him. There's an awesomeness to his persona that was just ever-present any time that you were around. The last year of his career, 1544, 
The total was 677 more yards than the runner-up, Gale Sayers. He was literally lapping the field. He was that good, and he will be missed tremendously by all of us. Our new special teams coordinator, Bubba Ventrone, up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers, Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. It's a real treat. New special teams coordinator Bubba Ventrone joining us here at the Undisclosed location on the west side of Cleveland. Sir, thank you so much for taking the time, bud. Let's. We were talking off air. We Obviously, all of us in the Browns family are talking about the loss of, of Jim Brown, and you've had several instances, your time in New England, obviously your time here as well. Um, let's start with – because we talked – we actually alluded to this with – with Bill and the Patriots put out an image of Bill, how he would stop the bus at the stadium for the statue that's been out there since 16 to look at Jim. And they put out an image of Bill Belichick staring at Jim, but that wasn't, that wasn't lip service. That was put into action with you guys when you were at the Patriots, wasn't it? Yeah. 2007, we played in the Super Bowl out in Arizona and we had practiced at uh, Arizona state university. I want to say it was either a Wednesday or a Thursday practice. We're in the locker room post-practice and Bill brought the team up, uh, you know, in a group or whatever to like almost like just talk to us or whatever. And he surprised everybody with Jim Brown being there to be able to talk to our team. So that was obviously a great time to be able to have an interaction with him even before I came to Cleveland. Uh, And then obviously whenever I played here from nine to 12, had a number of conversations with him, uh, picked his brain quite a bit uh, anytime he was around. So he was a a joy to have been able to meet. One of those guys that there was an awesomeness to him that even amongst greats, he kind of went above. And it was it's amazing the way that he would stop current players who obviously have never seen him play and would be – I mean, you're looking at YouTube, but it's one of the it's one of the blessings of being a Cleveland Brown, right, is that every once in a while Jim Brown would walk into the building. Yeah, so I would say I wish that I would have had an opportunity to be able to see him play yeah. in that time. Uh, but from – you know, when you hear a guy like Bill Belichick talk about how Jim Brown's the best football player that he's ever seen play, then you know you're pretty you're pretty <laughs> taken back by by a statement like that. So, um, obviously, a tremendous tremendous player and uh, even better person and you know advocate for you know everything he's done in the community. Yeah, it's it's remarkable in, in terms of, of this first time we've had a chance to talk to you since you've been back, um, and of course we're here as a player. Um, when when you think of what what made this decision to come home the one that it felt like for you it was the time for you to to do it? I like how you said come home. This is what I do. Come home, yeah. And it feels like and home, I'm, right? It, yeah, it does feel like home. I'm from Pittsburgh. Yeah, but Cleveland is home to me. Yeah. Cleveland is home to me. I had a lot of great years here. Obviously, uh, when I played here as a as a special teamer, we had good units back then. Uh, met a lot of great people that are still involved with the organization and Joe Sheehan, Brad Mellon, guys like that. Obviously, Mr. Haslam. You know, bought the team in my last season here, so it's great to come back to familiar faces and just you know, just a passionate fan base that loves football. The city loves football, so I'm excited to be back here and have an opportunity to win. You know, when you 
when you when you're around this fan base, when you're around this organization, when you're around when you walk in the building, you, you I mean we're on Lou Groza Boulevard for crying out loud, and you walk in there and you see all of it. Um, it is a place that is starved for winning. Um, what what is it? about that that drives I know it drives Kevin I know it drives AB it drives everybody in the organization now um, it feels like there's a relentlessness to try to achieve that now um, how much of that was part of of your in, in your head about coming back here the realization that my god if we ever win here this is going to be pretty nuts well I feel that you know you know just looking at the roster there's a lot of talent there's a lot of talent on the roster I feel like there's a great opportunity to win but obviously and ultimately we have to be able to instill it in the players to be able to play selfless team team first football and I feel like that's the way that we're going to be able to win everything's got to be geared at team first put the team first willing to do whatever it takes to win because we clearly have enough talent to do so um, and you can you can see that you know just being out on the field the type of guys we have running around it's pretty it's pretty impressive what did what are things that you look for in a guy to play on your units well, first off, I mean, if you're going to play in the kicking game, you have to have that mentality. You have to be fearless, physical, tough, fast, smart, disciplined. You know, the things that I'm trying to instill in our players is we're a fundamentally sound football team that's going to drill, drill, drill it over and over again. The fundamentals and techniques that are necessary to execute in each each six phases of the kicking game. Um and then, like I said before, we're going to be dis- disciplined and we're going to make good decisions. And then lastly, we're going to be a selfless football team. We have to have buy-in from whether you're a four-phase starter in the big four, you play on the field goal unit, you play on the field goal block unit, or you're a starter that plays one to two phases or a spot starter. We need buy-in and contributions from everybody on the team, coaches, players, backup starters if we're going to be uh, good in the kicking game and ultimately having an, a chance to impact, you know, football games. Yeah, listen to you talk, man. I just think accountability. It's like there's a lot that's, of <laughs> – Listen, that's the number one thing for me. It's like if we're talking about winning and we're talking about, you know, getting to the playoffs and getting to where we want to be, it's got to be everybody doing what it takes to win every game. So I think it's selfless, accountability, your teammates, coaches, staff, you know – the organization do what's right and let's put the team first and win. You have um, you've worked for some you've played for some incredible coaches. Um, you've worked for some incredible coaches. Um, what are things you, we mentioned Belichick? Let's take him for example. What are, are there things that you pick up from Bill? You'd be crazy not to, right? That you've instituted into into your philosophy to to make it your own. Yeah, I mean, Bill. I learned a lot from Bill as a player and as a coach. You know, he really gave me my foundation, right? For, for the house that I'm building mm-hmm. is in my football coaching playing career. However, the things that I put into the house are things that I've ga- gathered from other coaches that I've been around, observing, studying, watching film, studying players. So I have, obviously, I have a lot of things that are my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and honestly, I'm, I'm excited to implement what I did in Indy build on what I've done there and improve and bring them here. And hopefully we can get these guys, you know, hitting the ground rolling this week into uh, into OTAs. You, you, when you came in here, we were talking about what the, this is a nice, this is now we can go right a little bit. Now we get a little bit of go when you, this yeah. time of year. Um, what, what we, 
what spring in the step are you look to seeing from the guys? And, and as, as you go into this week, what are some things you want to get accomplished? You know, the last few weeks in phase two, phase one, we've done a lot of on-field drill work, you know, pretty much on-air type stuff. So now we'll be able to have, you know, looks with bodies in there. So we'll be able to, you know, elaborate on our scheme, install some more things. And that way, once we head into training camp, we have a, a really good base and understanding for what we're trying to get accomplished once we put the pads on. You were, as a player, who was a – you're a hair-on-fire guy, literally. I mean, there's this image I have up of you. Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic <laughs> mop you have, buddy. That thing looks awesome. But the hair-on-fire guy, how are you different from as a coach and than you were as a player? How much of it do you pull into the coaching? I learned a lot as a player. I did. I learned a lot as a player. I studied well. I feel like I was always prepared. However, it's different. You think you know everything as a player, and you don't. And you don't. And you learn a lot whenever you get into the coaching ranks – and the time that goes into it, and the detail, and why things are being done, why you know why we're doing the things we're doing, and why we're doing this drill, why we're taking this rep, um, why we're having guys rep in multiple spots. You're trying to build on roster depth and have position flexibility amongst the players to give each player as much value as you can to your roster. The more things you can do, the better. Um, and I'm tr- what I'm trying to do right now is just train as many guys as I can. Uh, in multiple phases that way in case we get into the season and I need someone to come up and play this guy can be plugged in so trying to build as much you know I would say position flexibility and cross training as possible at this point what are your philosophies in the return game philosophies in the return game number one the number one thing is get the ball back to the offense okay we're going to protect the football we're going to make good decisions fielding the football Um, but then it really goes into as far as executing a return it's the fundamentals of the return that give you the best opportunity to make big plays. So I think that it starts early in the down. Obviously, our drops and our setups are going to be important, and obviously how we're setting up on the football and attacking coverage. And then obviously knowing how those teams are, you know, are attacking us. So I think that that's really the second the second part of it. You know, it's interesting the, the way the league is set up now, and especially in the AFC. I mean, we, we did this last week on the show. I think there's probably like 10 teams in the AFC that feel like they're Super Bowl contenders, and I don't think that that's hyperbole. I think 10 of them. You go to their facility, they'd say, yeah, we can go win the Super Bowl this year. And all of them have great offenses. Many of them have great defenses. In a league where there are so little margin for error, so much of it comes down to your units. Yeah. It really does, man. I mean, we've seen it. Yeah, I mean, you you just never know. And that's the one thing that I always try to stress to our players. You just don't know which play it's going to be. So you have to take the field like this is going to be the play. This is the opportunity. Because different from offense and defense where you're having 60 to 80 plays a game on each side of the ball in a kicking game, you know, you're probably going to have between 25 and 30 reps in the game. You may only have – a handful of opportunities to return the to return the ball to actually run the pressure that you have script or schemed up against the opponent. So you got to be able to capitalize on every opportunity, you know, and take advantage of everything that's given to you. So, you know, don't take anything lightly. Treat every not treat every play like it's your last, but treat every play like it's super important and it could be the play that impacts the game. Absolutely, and you know, I, w- I want to ask you about Cade. Um, we, we certainly saw we did it. they drafted him here after what he did at LSU where he's one of the great collegiate kickers. Um, last year, up and down, searching for that consistency. What what have your have you what have your conversation with him been like and what is your approach to, to, to place kicker and, and trying to get him to be everything that he was drafted to be? Cade, all those guys all the specialists have been great to this point. Yeah. 
Um, he, he's got a great work ethic. He's a hard worker. He's very detailed. He's, you know, very honed in on his mechanics and almost too detailed at times. What we want to do with him is we obviously we're trying to get him to be as consistent as possible. And if there is a if there is a hiccup or if there is a mistake or an error, we're trying to put that to bed as fast as we can and not let those not let those things compound. So he's done a good job to this point. He's hit the ball well. He's definitely got a strong and explosive leg. I think that, you know, a fresh start, you know, sometimes the volume can take a toll on a player as well. I think that, you know, hitting hitting less balls is going to be beneficial to him. So we're excited to work with him, and he's done a good job to this point. It's kind of like a golfer, right, with a golf swing. Like you can overcook it. You can definitely overcook it. You know what I mean? You can definitely overcook it. You know, like for me, like I've coached, I've coached players, and I've been around players that like to hit, like Steve Gasowski in New England did not yeah. want to hit a lot of balls, whereas Adam Vinatieri wanted to hit 100 balls, and he wanted to kick balls from 60-plus every day. Steve wasn't like that. Phil Dawson was kind of like in between. Yeah. Um, but I think Cade, I think that we can take some volume off of him, you know, save his leg a little bit, be, you know, precise, and I think that we'll get the results we need. You you obviously played here when Josh was at his peak in, in the return game, and there's a gift to that, right, the, a fearlessness of being that and, and being able to do that. Um, are there guys on this roster, maybe not to that level, but that have that in them that you've, that you've been able to identify in the return game? Yeah, we have explosive returners. We do. Um, last year, Jerome Ford finished out the year doing a really nice job in the kick return phase. He's an explosive player with good size. He's got good vision. He's an aggressive runner downhill. I like him a lot. Um, Jalen Darden is a kid that, you know, they acquired midseason last year that ha is an instinctive player. He's not the biggest guy, but mm -hmm. he's got good vision and feel. And then, obviously, Jakeem Grant, you know, if he can get back to where he was pre-injury, that guy's explosive, yeah. and he's got the ability to change a game in both kick and punt return. So I think that when you're go when you're covering guys that are that explosive and that dynamic, it definitely, first off, it heightens your, your blocking team's, right, responsibilities and technique. Like, everyone's – when you're blocking for a guy like Cribs mm – -hmm you know you have a chance to legitimately score every play. So I'm just telling you, well, like when you're a core player blocking for a guy like that and you know that we have the ability to score, you're going to block a little bit harder. Yeah. You just are. Yep. And you're going to do a little bit extra. And that's what it takes. So like to bust those returns, it's not just doing your job. It's like doing your job and then something else has to happen. Yep. So, you know, fortunately when I was here, we had a bunch of returns for touchdowns. I'm hoping that we can get a few this year. That would be freaking great. Um, it's one no. of those things. It's still the loudest any NFL stadium is. Is a is a special return touchdown, punt or kick. It doesn't happen as much, but it, when it happens, I'm kind of getting chills right now. I'm telling you, man, that's it. it and it's so it. loud. Listen, kickoff return or punt return for yep, a touchdown. I know. And block punts. You block a punt. Yep. Oh, listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. Yeah. Me, me and Bravo are gonna do our best to put our guys in situations that we can make some big plays. Man, I know you got to get to a meeting. This was great. Thank you so much for coming by. No problem. Really Thanks for having you. me. Bubba Ventrone, you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. That was fun. Bubba Ventro. Uh, yeah. That guy's got some juice. <laughs> yes, he does. Right? <laughs> yeah. That was impressive. That's a, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been hounding our good friend Dan Murphy for a while now, and I'm like, Dan, we got to get him in. Yeah. Like, like, let's bring him in studio. And he's busy. He's, he's getting yeah. – <laughs> you know, No, I wasn't kidding. He literally had a meeting with the boss he had to get over to. So that's – Yeah. We were yeah. like, what, what what meeting do you have at 2 o'clock? It's so important. He's <laughs> like, well, <laughs> you want me to throw it out you there. You want me to know. You really want to know. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, no, but I, I think when, you know, the question I – I it was more of a statement, bad job out of me, but kind of the question statement I posed to him about, you know, this, this year in the AFC – there is no margin. No. It's going to be, for the vast majority of these teams, and there's you know 10 to upwards of 12 that look themselves in the mirror and say we're Super Bowl contenders, it's going to come down to a couple of plays, four or five plays. And what it can't be, you know, Z and I talked about this all the time through the years, the kicking, you know, the minimum requirement is don't be, don't be negative. Like, don't, you don't have to be positive. Just don't be, don't cost us, Right. And last year was frustrating in that sense because it cost us. Yeah, well, and and I'm not even talking last year. I'm talking over the course of the 10 years we've been doing this. Yeah. Like, you're in the booth, and the kicker misses a PAT. Yeah. Or a kicker kicks the ball out of bounds on a kickoff in a close game. Yeah. Or, or the punter shanks one. And it doesn't – I'm not saying it happens every week, but there are, when, it, when it happens – Yeah. Everybody in the booth looks at each other. Yeah. And you don't even have to say anything because you're like, that's going to be a problem later on, I feel like. Yep. This yep. one, that will come back on us. Yep. And 90% of the time, you're right about it. Yeah, it does. It does. So um, there's an accountability to him, certainly. I like what he said about Cade, you know, that, you know, sometimes too much. I, I found that, that interesting. interesting. You know, just get out of your head a little bit. Just do it. Do what you're able and, to do. And it was interesting. You know, he talked about New England. And mm-hmm. uh, Vinatieri would want to kick till his leg fell off every right. day. And kick 60 yarders. Right. And Goskowski didn't want to do that. Yeah. And, it is like, it's golf. Kicking is like golf swing. Yeah. It really is that. 
that type of deal. It, it's so. muscle memory, and it better be muscle memory come December. <laughs> yeah, when, when it matters down on that lakefront. Yeah, it is. There, there is that part of it. So, um, and he was excited. Like before we even started in the break, he was. You could tell how excited he was for this. Um, so this is the first day of OTAs. So it's this week and then next, and then mandatory minicamp is June 5th through the 8th. So this is officially OTAs. So now you're going to be able to get everybody out there. Um, there's no contact or anything at this point. It's just getting everybody out there, and you can do some, some shell stuff, right? Correct. So um, I lose track because I feel like they change it. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, I'm looking for – what the what the schedule is, what the rules are here, uh, rules of engagement. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not like how it used to be. Um, and, and I want to say, like, no live contact is permitted, but seven yeah. on seven, nine on seven, and so, eleven on eleven drills are permitted. So that's that's what I was saying. That's that shell stuff that I've talked about, where yep. you know you can no contact, but you can at least get a bunch of guys out on a field and kind of make understand where you're at so that's that's huge um and that's that's like the real work is starting now to be done that they're they're laying foundation and and this week they're going to be able to put in some you know they're really going to be able to put in some footers and get some stuff going here and i'm not sure for my contractor guys if i have the order of that correct but i think you get the gist well and, and so you'll have you'll have otas monday through thursday this week yeah next week is a little wrinkle um, but I believe that they will be here on Memorial Day. Um, okay. Monday through Thursday because Tuesday next week is golf outing. Uh-huh. Uh, so I believe that they will be here on Monday. Probably then. Um, so they'll have seven workouts total, and then uh, – and I bet – I would think they might even work out Tuesday morning beforehand before they come to the golf outing. We've seen that in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, be, because the golf outing is optional. And I would say this as well, like, again, this week and next week are voluntary. Mm-hmm. I think you start seeing more players coming in because it leads up to the following week, two weeks from now, when mandatory minicamp starts. Right, right. And that's the f- Monday through Thursday. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, you've got seven, you know, at this point now, you've got seven practices over the course of the next two weeks in OTAs where you're learning the playbook and you're starting to get stuff on the football field. Like you've had the classroom right. stuff. And now you can physically get out there. Will, yep. will we, are there media availabilities on these? OTAs? Yeah, we will uh, Wednesday. Uh, okay. hope, hoping to have a player or two at our undisclosed location. That's right. On Wednesday. See if we can work out transportation for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, getting that done this week and next week. Okay. Uh, We'll have our uh, opportunity on Wednesdays, both Wednesdays. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see who's here and who joins us. And then, obviously, at the golf course next week, we'll uh, we'll have some availability. We'll be on one of the golf holes, like where uh, we were by like the clubhouse. Yes. Yeah, that's fun. That's the perfect place. Put us on that one where we have the Zagura can hit bombs. Yeah, they, people can have Zagura. They can have Zagura hit a shot for them, and we can play. And then we can. Put it on the green. Oh yeah, Zagura tried. That short work. little par four. That's the that's the one we want to be on. Yep, that it's the it's the Britain Cole hole. <laughs> Cole called a shot. I mean, he let's be honest. Shot. The man that's... called a shot. Like we're not going to see anything quite like that probably ever again. No. And plus the spontaneity of the moment. You know, that's the other thing with Cole on that moment was it wasn't like 
there wasn't he wasn't prepared for it. Just stepped up, made the claim. I believe Z tried to get into this and play, and I said, "You thought the, he should play." The appropriate people came to me uh, and said, "Hey, yeah." Just double checking, and I'm like, "Yeah, he's available after three o'clock." Right, that's right. He that's can right. he can join the group around yeah. three, yeah, and still get in at least yeah. nine. He's had seventy six vacations, so he can at least. I mean, he likes to talk trash about my vacations, but I, I believe I've always <laughs> put mine winning. around a weekend. <laughs> I, think, I think he's I think he's winning. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, he can he can do the heavy lifting with but me on it, on Tuesday. It's exciting, and you said it. In the interview with Bubba, going back to the Ventron interview, yeah, like coming home, like he made his teeth in the NFL here. Oh, for sure. I mean, I well, we'll have Hoff on in five minutes or so, but like, and you can um, ask him we'll about ask him it. about it. But I remember we talked to him about it when he was hired. And he talked about him as a player and what he was. And folks, if you just go to Bubba's uh, Wikipedia page, there's a picture of him. It's in a Browns uniform, the flowing. Man. The hair is flying, and he is fired up, and that's that's what the dude's all about. Yeah, and. Uh, he just – he wants to be the best. Yeah. And he wants his group to be the best. And because he's a former player, yeah, he's going to demand a lot more. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's – he's just – he's juiced up, man. He's ready to go, and that was pretty obvious. Uh, the Hoff is ready to go. We'll get his perspective on Jim Brown, uh, get his perspective on the offseason program. Uh, where, where are – we're not very far away from speech time with the Hoff either, so we'll get to all of that. Uh, it's all coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milk Bones, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. And now we head out on the Twisted Tea Hotline, joined by the Hoff, Joe Thomas. Uh, buddy, great talking to you. Uh, sadder circumstances than normal in that uh, the passing of the great Jim Brown. Uh, you are one of those people who is of his ilk. Uh, in terms of accomplishments. What, hey, good morning, family. You? You're obviously present. Second week in a row, man. I, come well, I don't know what that was. Is Joe there? Do we have Joe? I got gotcha. you. Uh, I was wondering if it was going to well, be another one of those where I was going to Are we, doing this, are we doing this again? He was going to start making That's on me, guys. Sorry about that. Making an impression. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, like we're doing, we're, we're talking Jim Brown, and all of a sudden we got this on here. Okay. Uh, all right, Hoff. Uh, in terms of, as I was saying, uh, your your interactions with the late great Jim Brown. Yeah, uh, obviously one of maybe the greatest football players of all time. But I think the big memory that I have that I'll take away is just those times where he would come into the cafeteria, whether it be a Saturday the night before a game, or maybe during training camp when he would hang around the team and he'd just sit down at the table and he'd just break bread with you. And I think his wisdom and his knowledge of so many things in the world and his interest in all of the different players were really would really shine through in those moments. Cause he'd sit down and he didn't care who sat next to him. If it was an offensive lineman, a running back, a punter, a coach, and he would just sit there and he'd ask you questions. And he wanted to talk about what you were interested in. He wanted to try to give you some wisdom, give you some insight, but also just kind of amaze you a little bit with some of the stories, regale you with some of the uh, stories of what it was like playing back 
in the 50s and the 60s and what it was like being maybe the greatest football player of all time. There was, Gibby and I were talking about this, Hoff. There's a, um, when you'd go into the building, and I don't know if you guys were alerted of this, but for the rest of us, like when we would come in the building, like most times security would say, Mr. Brown's here today. Like it was, it was known that, that Jim Brown was in the building. You know what I mean? Like, was there that for you oh, yeah. guys from the stamp? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he was bigger than life to everybody. He was, uh, I think, probably the only person in the building that everybody from ownership on down would call him Mr. Brown because he deserved that type of respect. And I, and I think uh, the players, even though he played a long time before we were there, certainly the, the guys that are there now, and the guys that I played with, um, but everybody knows the impact that he had on the game, the impact he had on social justice and uh, trying to affect change in different communities. And I think that was probably the legacy that, you know, I'll, I'll remember him for the most because I never did get to see him play other than highlights, which were amazing, by the way, watching mm-hmm. a man that's bigger than all of his offensive linemen, <laughs> steamroll people one after another, is always going to play well, no matter what generation. Um, but I think just how important the lives of young men were young Cleveland Browns players um, and how much impact he tried to make in his community and throughout America. Um, and he talked about his American program a lot to the, the players and tried to get guys involved. Um, but he was just such a, an incredibly impu- influential and impactful person that I just feel really blessed to be able to have sat there and got to know him through the years. It's something when you, um, you know, and I uh, very clearly never played here, but when you walk in the building and you see that the image of him, um, and it's something that if you've loved football, you've seen it your whole life, whether it's the the slow motion of him running um, or it's some of those black and white images or the image of him sitting on his football helmet. Uh, There's an image in one of the offices over there of him with a, uh, he's got like a rain slicker on, um, he just cast such a shadow, didn't he, Joe? Over the whole league, over the over the organization, everything, just almost super, almost like a superhero a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he was the original superstar in the game of football, uh, and then the crossover that he made into movies and then into social justice, act, uh, <clears throat> making sure that, you know, he, he was involved off the field trying to make an impact throughout the all of the country um, players in any generation gave him an enormous amount of respect. I mean, he was one of the few guys that didn't matter if it was a group of hall of famers, if it was, you know, the Joe Namath, if it was the greatest of the greats, when that man walked in the room, everybody stood up and stood a little yep. bit straighter. Right. Uh, they yep. had just a different level of respect for him and what he did in his life and in his career. You ever think about blocking for him? <laughs> Uh, I'm wondering, like, if the size of the man that Jim Brown was in yep. relation to other offensive linemen and other football players <laughs> of his generation existed today, would that mean he would be like Shaq? He'd be like seven foot four hundred, but he'd run a four five. I'm just thinking. I was thinking, man, yeah, like maybe like LeBron, like six eight two sixty, yeah. but runs like yeah. a four two. Like it's like, wait, what? Right. This doesn't seem possible. He was. He was that, though, right? I mean, he had that. It's funny yeah. it's that you bring that up. I don't know if people are aware, but you think about what an offensive lineman weighed in the 60s um, versus what Jim was 
I mean, he to your you weren't kidding. Like that's not hyperbole. He was bigger than many of his offensive no. linemen. No, he was. I mean, I think he he played at you know six two two twenty something like that. And most linemen back then were six foot six foot one, maybe six two, right around that two twenty. So he was really bigger than probably a lot of his linemen. And um, when you think about that, I mean, I played offensive tackle a few years ago. I was <laughs> six six three twenty at the time. So even if he was almost that size, can you imagine six six no. three hundred pounds? Like as no. big as your line, just steamrolling people. I mean, it's no, no wonder that he's the only man. He's the only man to average over what five yards a carry for a career or something, um, just crazy like that. And he, I think that's part of the reason he had so much respect because he was just a man among boys in his era of football. And you think about Nick Chubb, right? Obviously, we love Nick yep. Chubb. We think he's a great running back. He's a freak. You know, you see the pictures of him versus like the high school kids that he played with when he was uh, down in Georgia. And then you yep. think like, yeah, that was Jim Brown. Only Jim was even taller because Nick's not a real super tall guy. He was six right. two, you know, back right. then. So uh, it's just crazy to think about what he, he's one of the few players probably from the sixties that with his body could play in today's game. No doubt. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of like a, the size, size, speed, strength. There's a little bit of a Wilt Chamberlain thing to it where he was playing against yeah. people who were not of his ilk in any way, <laughs> you know, so just, mm -hmm. just right. dominant. And then it's interesting because, you know, you talk about, you know, retiring. So he retires on the set of the dirty dozen in London. Um, he does. So after a 1500 yard season where the second best rusher was Gail Sayers, who was 600 yards behind him, he does. So after a 17 <laughs> touchdown season. So in his prime Hoff, um, he, he shut it down certainly still with, with much football left to go. And we know that they're extenuating circumstances in terms of with Medell and, and all of that stuff. Um, but also shut it down and then went on to have this acting career. Like, you know, everybody talks about the dirty dozen that I'm, I'm not quite that old, but I certainly remember him in any given Sunday. And I was saying this to Gibby yeah. in any given Sunday, he's in a lot of scenes with Pacino and is up to it, man. Mm -hmm. he, he was amazing. And, and that crossover effect that he had being able to be the best player in football at the time, retire at his peak and then seamlessly move into movies and do a lot of, you know, great shows. Um, was, it was amazing. Like he was not trained as an actor and to be able mm -hmm. to just go right into it and capture uh, with his leadership and his bravado on screen uh, is, is completely remarkable. And I think um, just watching him off the field, he carried himself with such pride and all he ever wanted was respect. And I think mm -hmm. he got that, you know, on the movie screen, he got that when he was in the locker room, he got that post career. And, and I think that was, that was one of the takeaways I got from him. You know, when you first get around, he's such an impressive imposing figure. You're like afraid to go up to him and even talk to him. Right. But when mm -hmm. all of a sudden you see him sitting there in the lunchroom and you find yourself sitting at the same table, starting to ask a few questions and he really opens up and, you realize like for him, he wants to be impactful. He wanted to really be involved in people's lives. And all he asked for in return was a little respect, you know, and yeah. it was really fun listening to the sort of like the values that he had and um, what was important in his life and what he saw as a vision for um, the country, a vision for football players. It was, it was really amazing. The wisdom that he, he shared was priceless. You know, when you when you put together the uh, all Cleveland Browns team, we're talking to the left tackle on that team, and the running back is Jim Brown. Mm. Uh, as we as we transition over to um, 
OTAs, which are, are happening now, we're off and running here. Um, what, what, it, what needs to be accomplished offensively, especially Joe this week as, you know, we, this will be now a full off season with Sean Watson. Um, this is, there's going to be some tweaks, obviously offensively. What, what do you think needs to be accomplished over the next couple of weeks? I think two things are huge. One, you, you want to find out what are the things that Deshaun does best? You know, what are we going to be able to hang our, our hat on? What are those five concepts in the passing game from a route concept standpoint that we can hang our hat on when we need to play and it's third and six or we're in the red zone and we got to get a first down or the game's over? You know, what are those plays that we're really going to be able to hang our hat on? Uh, same thing in the running game. Like, what are some of those? plays where we can allow Deshaun Watson to use his legs to open up the defense a little bit for maybe somebody else. Maybe it's zone read, maybe it's RPO type stuff. Um, but what, what are the things that he does well, that he sees the defense well, but also the personnel that's in front of him, running backs, tight ends, offensive line. Like what are those things that we all do really well? And then you can kind of build on that. I think when you're trying to build any offense, you've got to start with, all right, foundationally at our core, who are we and what are we going to do best where even if the other team knows what's coming, they can't freaking stop it. And I think that's the most important thing that you want to be able to find out right now, because then all the little iterations of those plays and the counters and the misdirections, they all play off of those core concepts. Like when we had Kyle Shanahan, it was the outside zone, strong side, it was weak side and everything else played off of that, including the play action pass, including some of the cutback stuff. But that was the root of it. And, and the OTAs were when we learned the basics, the fundamentals, and we mastered those. And then from there, we were able to kind of become a good offense because all the other stuff dominoed and flowed from there. And so I think that's really what the coaches are, are definitely going to be impressing upon the team right now. Like this is the time we find out what we can do and who we can be when we're at our best. Huff, we haven't had a chance to talk with you since the acquisition of Zadarius Smith. Um, that one kind of dropped out of nowhere uh, on, on Friday a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what do you make of, of that acquisition? It felt to us like it was – Z and I would talk all the time. It felt like something was needed, either whether it was in the middle or on the edge, but something else was needed on that defensive line. Um, what do you make of that acquisition, and how much of a difference can that make? You know, it reminds me a little bit of the conversation you and I had and you and Z had throughout the entire season last year. Like, we were sitting there in training camp, I remember, in August when we were getting yep. uh, taken away by those gnats. Since Gibby wouldn't give us a fan, uh, I, I couldn't even see the so field. Sad. The cloud of gnats was so 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 thick on us. Uh, guys, we off. Fans. Get it ready for like... this fall, buddy. <laughs> That's right. I can't wait. Uh, and we were saying, you know what? They, they really need a veteran receiver. They need somebody yep. to help. Um, Amari Cooper and you know we never really were able to do anything about it and I think potentially Andrew Barry might be thinking hey we don't want that to happen again because we know how great Miles is and we feel really good um, about Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle but like to allow Miles to be at his best which is NFL defensive player of the year he needs to have somebody on the other side otherwise I don't care how great you are if you're getting double teamed and you're getting the slide every single time, and the quarterback can always move away from you because there's no heat coming from the other side, yep. Like he'll never be at his best, and you're going to get frustrated. And that's the last thing you want is your defensive leader, your best player on your team, to get frustrated. Uh, so I think being able to pull that off was awesome because I remember playing against him when he was in Baltimore, and he was their best pass rusher for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And he's big and physical, and he's tough. 
Um, I think he's exactly the type of guy that Jim Schwartz would want on his defense. And I know, you know, you get older, you maybe don't have as much of a burst as you used to have, but you can still rush the passer. You can still impact the quarterback. And teams can't just leave you one-on-one. And I think that was the most important thing. They needed a guy that maybe if you slide to him or you had a double team, like he's probably not going to get home. But if you leave him one-on-one, you're going to have problems. And that really opens up things for those other guys on that defensive line. You know, Hoff, before uh, a couple of segments before we had you on, we had Bubba Ventrone on, your former teammate. Um, It was the first time I got a chance to meet. Yeah. First time I got a chance to meet him face-to-face. I'd seen him in the building, but in terms of he came to the undisclosed location and we, we sat down and had a conversation. And as, as he was walking off, um, I said to him, I said, man, you're going to – I said, man, you're going to be a head coach. Like, he's got that juice, Joe. He does. I, yeah. Did he have that as a player? He's really impressive. He did. You know, he didn't play a whole lot on defense. He would kind of sure. fill in in the secondary a little bit. But he was one of the core special teams guys, and he was, you know, one of those special teams captain type guys that people look to because he always just did everything right, you know. And yep. those are the guys that get respect. They get attention. And people pay, pay attention to what you have to say. If you're always in the building, you're doing the right things, you're working as hard as you possibly can, so they see you put in the time. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, he wasn't always the loudest guy, which is, you know, normal as a special teams player. You're not going to be the loudest guy in the locker room because you don't have the most prominent position. But when he spoke up, people listened. And you could, you could tell that that trajectory, if he wanted to go into coaching, was going to be eventually probably someday uh, as the head coach. And I, I was surprised. I thought he was probably going to be the guy that was going to get the interim job in Indy last year. Yeah. And I think that was part of the reason, like a lot of the coaches on the staff were maybe a little bit rubbed the wrong way. Not only did they hire somebody who wasn't a coach, but uh, they didn't hire Bubba and give him an opportunity because everybody saw in the building, the type of leadership he had and the type of head coach he was going to be someday. And if he would have gotten that opportunity, maybe in Indy, he might be still staying there as a head coach, but Thankfully, Jim Irsay didn't listen to anybody, and now we get one of the best special teams coaches in the NFL and Bubba Vitrone. I just love the juice. I mean, he's just a – he's shot out of a cannon, man. Like, it was it was just yeah. refreshing to talk to him. I, I, I was really, really impressed with him. How is – um you know, it's – we're – I was down at the Hall of Fame again this weekend for Moral Lacrosse. I feel like I'm there every two weeks. And uh, you're, you're on the side of the building still. You still look great, buddy. How's the speech coming? Have you started working on it? Where are you with that? It's good. Uh, we got the first draft in the books. Um, Dan Murphy, Brown's PR guy, is helping me out. And now it's just kind of going back and forth and just making sure that uh, your timing is right, right? Because nobody wants you to draw on. You want to make sure you right. hit all the right thank yous. A um, little bit of humor in there and make sure the crowd's still awake when you're done. So um, I think it's, it's been fun. And uh, we still got a little bit of time. But things are going pretty well with that. And actually, the interesting thing that has been um, kind of fun is going back and forth with the sculptor because I sat out there in Utah like yeah, two I remember weeks that. ago, um, which was cool. And they kind of went from almost nothing to maybe 80% completed. And then I would say every couple of days, he'll send me a new video and say, hey, what do you think? What do you think we need to change? And it's weird because obviously I'm not a sculptor, so I have no idea how to <laughs> explain something. But I'll be like, I don't know, the the lips look a little bit goofy and then I'll send it to my wife. And then of course she'll have much better feedback than I will. And then you send it back to the sculptor, Ben Hammond out there in Utah. And uh, actually this past weekend, he, he sent me what we all thought is, uh, is going to be the final uh, deal. So he said, the next time you see this, you're going to be pulling off the cape. Wow. And it's going to be in bronze and Canton. So that was kind of an exciting moment. 
Wow, that's pretty cool. That is very, very cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that is. It's we can't. I mean, there's no time like summer in Ohio. It's a, we we thrive here, but uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, we want these days to be special. But can't wait. That's going to be a fun week uh, in Canton, my friend. Thank you so much for your time today, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Bo. All right, the great Joe Thomas, the Hoff on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by uh, Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland, on that side of things. Yeah, very good stuff uh, with the Hoff, and that is going to be here quickly. We're we start camp the twenty second oh. of. There were two months. Yeah, from the start of camp. Oh my god! Down in the Greenbrier. That's <laughs> that, that's, that's where true. you're at. That's very real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Little Browns news. Hit me. The Browns have now signed all seven of their draft picks. DeJuan okay. Jones has just inked. He is uh, good to go under contract and ready. Um, I was unaware that, I don't know, maybe, I don't know why I felt like there wasn't league meetings this week, but there are league meetings this week, and yeah. there's news out of the league meetings Hit this me. week. The NFL has approved a rule allowing a team to designate a roster spot on an emergency third quarterback. Okay. A couple of important rules. That player must be on the 53-man roster. It cannot be a practice squad call-up. That player can only play if the top two QBs are injured. No benchings. Okay. So does that mean you have to have three QBs active? Uh, I don't know. I can't. I mean, I feel like yes. It feels like it's an exemption so that you can have three active and it won't cost against your normal active roster is what it seems like to me. Well, that was the original the original tweet that but I now saw you can from keep, Rapsheet. You can keep and, and then, protect three of them, right? Yeah. Um, it says the NFL bylaw on allowing a third QB to be active without burning a roster spot was approved. Now it doesn't. It's not worded that way in the other stuff that I saw, but that's the tweet from Rapsheet. Okay. So it, it sounds like we're in a good place. <laughs> yeah. Like Christian McCaffrey won't have to warm up anymore. At, right. At I mean that that was the one that was the death of it. Was that 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 Niners game? That was the tough one. That, I also saw this this morning around the league from Adam Schefter. Uh, the five players suspended in the April, those are the Detroit Lions. The NFL now investing a second wave of potential violations that of its gambling feel policy. Not great. Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to have to end up being like very similar to what what has happened with the league stance on marijuana. Like as long as you're not betting on the NFL and you're not betting on college football, then which, I don't know how you're going to – Which is very similar. Like in baseball or at least at the NBA level, I think you could bet on every team except your own. Like, if, if, if you told us, hey, you can't bet on any football, college, pro, USFL, XFL, yeah. you can't bet on any football. Right. Great. Yeah. Like, that's how, that's what it should be. Probably. <laughs> I, I would accept that more than, hey, you can't bet on anything. I agree. I, and I think, it's, I think there's just going to be more of this. There's too many states where it's legal and – yeah. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. So I, I think that that's going to be kind of where that goes. You mentioned we hadn't we, – you and I haven't talked about the PGA Championship. No. Um, there were two things that that I think stuck with me most um, watching the, the PGA Championship this weekend. And, and certainly, um, you know, Kepka and, and his greatness was obviously a very, very big part of that. Um, but then 
you know, you you mentioned this a little bit. Were, were we on air with that, or was that off air? Um, in regards to Michael Block, uh, we talked we talked about it off air. So, yeah. oh yeah, Drew was in here, and that what Michael Block did throughout the weekend. So this is if if you missed this, this was a club pro who not only made the cut at the PGA Championship, he finished fifteenth. He aced the 15th hole in the final round paired with Rory McIlroy for crying out loud. Then he, he got up and down on 18 to finish 15th, which netted him $288,000. But more importantly, if if something could be more important than that, it gifted him into the PGA championship next year at Valhalla. So he will get to play in it again. In addition to that, it landed him a spot this week at colonial. Yep. And then at the RBC in Canada, uh, the week after the Memorial Tournament down in Columbus is in next week, and then he's at the RBC after that. I would not at all be surprised, by the way, if the Memorial offered him an exemption um, after what happened this weekend. It wouldn't surprise me in any way if they if, did that. If he goes out and does anywhere close to what he did this weekend, yeah. the Memorial would, should jump all over. They that. should, yeah. Uh, to, I just can't even – I mean, it really was a tin cup moment. The guy yeah. aced in the final round of the PGA Championship paired with Rory McIlroy. And it, it, like dunked it, dunked it. I, I'm not even on sure the fly. if it really did anything else other than just go in. Well, not only that, Rory had to tell him it went in. Yeah, because he didn't see it. He just heard the roar, so he didn't know if it was the close. video. He's walking down the fairway, looking at the at the patrons, going, "Did that go in? Did it go like, in?" He didn't believe Rory. <laughs> no, two viral moments were great from it. Number one, the one where he's at the media gaggle after his third round, and one of the guys informs him that he's paired with Rory. And it's like a mix of like terrified, excited, exasperated, like all of it, mostly excited. Yes. But that was really, really cool. And then uh, the moment that they captured when the guy from the Colonial who runs a Colonial called him and said, we're inviting you down on the sponsor's exemption. And he was like, don't say what you're going to say to me or I'm going to cry. And then he says it to him and he's, you see the emotion of it. It's he's just, like, it well, awesome. let me ask my boss. He's yeah. right here holding a tequila. <laughs> he's right. fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He can go do it. So that was awesome. And then the other thing I thought is there are two segments of people who watch golf. There are people like sometimes Z and like the ambassador of cool who watch every tournament who uh, have fantasy golf and are paying attention week in and week out to it. The diehards. And they're probably dialed in to live versus PGA. Sure. The vast majority of people who watch golf watch the majors, maybe a little bit of TPC, maybe a little bit of Memorial if you have Central Ohio ties. In the old days, you'd watch Firestone. You watch, you know, some of the other big ones that are out there, but not much. Mostly you're watching the majors, right? Those people are not invested in any way to PGA Tour versus live. They're not. They don't care. It doesn't affect them. If you're looking for proof of that, just listen to the crowds on Saturday and Sunday, especially Sunday for Kepka. Like, there was no – he was in no way, shape, or form a villain in any way. And people do not care about it. They don't. The vast majority. No. So, anytime that, like – I thought that, like, the Golf Channel specifically – and I understand that they're in business with the PGA, but I thought that their coverage of it was so slanted by the PGA Live stuff. And even the guys who are on that beat, on that golf beat, and I understand that they're there every day, but like Rory, what we talked about, Rory was exasperated by the questioning of it last week at his media availability. And that's that's done. It's done. 
when I'm watching Kepka on Sunday after I got done with all the youth sports, I'm watching the back nine. It's just Brooks Kepka, and what he is to me is he's the best golfer since Tiger Woods. When he's at his best, he's better than anybody else. All he does is win majors. That's it. He's just clutch. He's in the mix always. Um, it's been so long since we've seen like Rory at his best. It's probably been about 10 years since we've really, like 14. It's probably the last time we really saw him at his best. Kepka at his best is better than anybody else's best. Yeah. He's a machine. That guy is. Yeah. Put your different, settle your differences. Yeah. Get these guys all playing together again. Well, I don't, I don't know that there's a path for that, but there's, I did see like a, a back and forth about with Brad Faxon and Brandel Chambly on the golf channel about like Ryder cup and facts. It's like, he's an American playing golf. Like what difference does it make? What tour he's on? He just won the PGA championship. He's one of the 12 best you, Americans. You, you need him on team USA. Yeah. If you care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you care, you do. Yep. For sure. So I thought, I thought, th- I thought that was good theater. Um, it's interesting. Like LeBron and the Lakers are, well, they'll get swept tonight or they'll lose in the gentleman sweep in in Denver on, I guess it would be Wednesday. Either way, they have no they have no chance. It's really interesting, though, because all of those games have been great games. Denver just, it feels like no matter what L.A. does, Denver has the answer, but they've all been competitive, which is not what we can say about Boston and Miami. No. As good as the entire NBA playoffs were, yeah. the conference finals have been. Well, the the West, the crazy thing, it's 3-0, but all of the games have been tight in they the last two minutes. Way. They could have gone either way. It's interesting. They could have gone either way, but they couldn't. If that makes sense, there at no point did I think the Lakers were going to win any of those three games. I watched them all. At no point, Denver always had the correct answer to the test. And I don't think, unlike like Boston's a total meltdown failure, I don't think it's a meltdown failure for the Lakers. No. I think that they're reaching their ceiling. They they had a play-in game just right. to get into the playoffs. Right, right. And they they had this team's been together for about two and a half months. So to me, like they're maxing out, and it's just Denver's been a, Denver's just really good. Yeah, is kind of the operation on that. It was a it was a very very uh, fun sports weekend. Um, all right, coming up next, we will uh, get some perspective on the great Jim Brown from the great Doug Deacon. That is coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Right here, right now, find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hey, Browns fans, you want to experience the 2023 Browns season and some of the best seats in Cleveland Browns Stadium? Visit leecom.edu slash Browns. Your best chance to win two field seats for the 2023 season, courtesy of Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Sweepstakes ends on August 30th. And we head out on the Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea Hotline, official sponsor for Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. The great Doug Deacon, the legend, joining us. Uh, Deke, this is um, the news dropped on on. Friday of of Jim's passing you've been 
at how countless uh, events, Browns legends gatherings over the years with Jim. Uh, what? It, how did it hit you? And and what can you tell us of your relationship uh, with one of the greatest to ever play the game? Well, first off, I was kind of tipped off uh, a couple weeks in advance. Somebody, one of his friends, had said that uh, he was not doing well. And you know, you think of a guy like Jim Brown, you think of Juan Destructible, and you know, uh, it's you know sad to see you know one of the greatest of uh, the game. Uh, pass away and you know obviously when you you say Jim Brown you immediately think of the Cleveland Browns and uh, they go hand in hand and Jim uh, I got I first met Jim uh, during the Players Association strike in 82 out in Las Vegas and I got to know him and uh, he was he was a guy that uh, he liked to challenge you if you said something and uh, he'd challenge you on it just to, you know, see if you, if you were uh, full of it or if you were, you know, mm-hmm. knew what you were talking about. And, uh, you know, he was, he was intimidating, you know, be it on the field or off the field, but he did a lot of good things for a lot of people and uh, helped a lot of people out. You know, Dick, that's interesting what you just said. So he was at a, he was at the, the player the in 82, even yeah, though he, he had was, been done uh, playing for all those years. He oh, was yeah, still yeah, that yeah, yeah, well, they, well, I think he was a speaker that year, and uh, you know, you. was in Las Vegas, and you know, a lot of guys don't turn down trips to Las Vegas. But uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when uh, uh, Belichick brought him back here, you know, when he was the head coach, you know, because Bill had a history of the game and uh, appreciated what Jim had done, and you know, there'd been a separation between him and Art Modell, and uh, you know, Belichick, you know, brought him back into the clubhouse, and he got to know him, and. I'd take him out to the, the golf course and we'd play. And, you know, I think Jim was probably an eight or nine handicap at the time. And I'd tell whoever we were playing, he was a 15. And they didn't give a, a rat's ass that, you know, you know, what his handicap was. They were just playing with Jim Brown. <laughs> and, oh, so, yeah, wait he, a second. Uh, you're, you're sandbagging with Jim Brown? Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> hey, God these bless guys you. been taking my money. These guys have been taking my money all this time. I might as well get some of theirs. <laughs> that's amazing. That is absolutely great. So did he? That's amazing too. So he was a, he was that proficient a golfer. I I did, we yeah, heard he about was, the lacrosse and know the football. I didn't realize he was that good of a golfer. Oh yeah, he was. I mean, it was you name it, he could do it. Uh, you know, and you know, there's stories where there was a you know golf course over in the east side when he was you know actually playing for the Browns. He'd play and he'd play in money games over there and. I think he did okay, you know, with himself as far as playing. But, uh, yeah, no, if, you know, if I called somebody and said, hey, you want to play golf on uh, Saturday? I don't know. Who you got? I say, yeah, Jim Brown. I'll play. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> the one guy that uh, was a good friend of mine, he was, I mean, he just had the smartest mouth in the world. And, and I, he was in our foursome one time. I said, oh, boy, this ain't going to be good. Mr. Brown, can I get your ball? Mr. Brown, can I wipe your clubs? <laughs> this guy, he just turned into uh, something. But, I mean, you know, anybody that ever met him, I mean, I, you know, is, he was an imposing figure, and he's one of the, well, if not the greatest of all time. And, uh, uh, yeah, no, Jim was, uh, uh, he, he did a lot of good things for a lot of people, too. I mean, it, it wasn't just Jim Brown, the football player. Oh, no, far from it. No, there was there were so many layers to it, and, um, oh. he, he was one of those guys, Deke, from the standpoint of even really great players were humbled, it seemed, by being in his presence some. 
you were obviously someone who was great, greatly familiar with him and became a friend. But in terms of – it was interesting. I, you see him amongst other NFL greats even. He, he even separates, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I think, you know – well, I mean, when they talk about the, the goat of running backs, you know, it's Jim Brown. And he might even be the goat of football players. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, one of the other people that I knew that, you know, was – Similar to that, you know, uh, the goat of linebackers was Dick Butkus. And, yeah. you know, uh, Dick on the field was just a, you know, total animal. But off the field, Dick was a, a great guy. Uh, yeah, but he's, I know in my career, he's the only guy I would never cut. And, uh, you know, out of, out of respect for the fact that sure. he, he also went to Illinois, but also out of the fact that I knew he might chase me off the field if I did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got you to gotta yeah. be smart oh, with those things. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, and, and Dick, like, you know, Jim, I mean, you get them in a conversation and they're, they're, they're just nice people. I mean, they're, uh, uh, there's a lot of thought in what they say. And, uh, Jim, uh, you know, always chose his words. And I remember, uh, back when, you know, people were kneeling during the, uh, uh, uh protest of, you know, the American national anthem. And, and I think Jim spoke to the team, and the way I understood it, what he said, what he told me, he said, was respect your country, respect your flag. And I got no problem with that. Yeah, I, you, you you have the right to say whatever you want on any of those fronts, when, yeah. when you're certainly when you're Jim Brown. Um, his, yeah. you know, one, one thing, it, it's so linked um, when you think of him, you know, obviously Paul Brown, Jim Brown. I mean, when you think, and it's odd that they're both last, oh. obviously named for Paul, but just from the standpoint of, of of both like linked forever and i i think what I, we had joe thomas on at the top of the hour and we were talking about um you know just jim's size and um the fact that oh. he was bigger than a lot of his offensive linemen like it's hard now to wrap our head around that isn't it deke yeah it is i mean well he was what about 230 pounds and your linebackers weighed about 215 back then right and you know i think unfortunately for some of his linemen you know, Jim was so good that, you know, people didn't uh, give credit to some of the offensive linemen. It took Gene Hickerson well beyond the time to get into the Hall of Fame. And I think he could make a, you know, case for uh, Dick Shafrath. Dick uh, was, a, was a great player, played in a, in a lot of uh, games with Jim and, you know, never got that recognition. You know, John Wooden was a great player. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, that whole crew there, you know, that, was a, that was a darn good offensive line. Yeah, yeah, and you had yeah, Jim it, Ray Smith and yeah, and you know John Morrow. I mean that that uh, uh, the combination of a great running back and a great offensive line. You know that was a pretty formidable team. And you know the Browns have you know the great history of uh, of running backs. You know you start with Marion Motley, and then you got Bobby Mitchell, and you got Jim, and you got Leroy. And, you know, and today you got uh, uh, Nick Chubb. Yeah, it's something. There's a. There's a lineage there. It's one of the cool things, you know, and Deke, you've been omnipresent in the organization for so many years now, um, and it, I'm obviously relatively new to it, but it's it's one of those things where um, you never know who you're going to run into in the building. Um, and I'm sure you always got an advance warning if, if Jim was going to be in town, if you guys were palling around. But uh, just for the rest of us, it was a big deal when he was in the building. Um, and oh. and it was exciting when he was in the building. It was It was known that Jim Brown was in the building. Yeah. And I, you know, when he passed away, I had some people that, you know, I'd introduced them to, and, you know, that's a memory of a lifetime for them. Uh, you know, you've met the greatest of all time and, uh, uh, you know, he was always cordial to people. Uh, 
you know, like I said, he would challenge you though. If he said something and he wasn't sold on it, he'd say, well, what do you mean by that? And uh, then he right. explain it. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, he just, uh, you know, he, he pretty much uh, spoke what he thought. That's, that's the important thing. He would, he would call you out if, if I'd I'd seen him do this where if if he would challenge it quick wouldn't he Deke? if you said something yeah. that he he was he was going to find out if you were a man of consequence or if it was just nonsense he would he would hold your feet to the fire on it oh yeah no, he 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 wasn't going to you weren't going to uh, no. smoke him with bs that's for sure no you know he uh, yeah he'd say now what do you mean by that or and how how did that you know and he he always had the uh, he, in other words, he was listening to what you were saying. You know, a lot of people, That's right. you know, give you the uh, shoulder and say, okay. But, you know, Jim would say, how do you mean that? <laughs> so, you know, that, yep. that was Jim. And uh, on the golf course, he, I mean, you know, he, he liked to compete, obviously. And he was a, he was a good <laughs> golfer. And I, as I said, we, we'd sandbag with him. But he also had this habit. If you were standing anywhere behind him, He'd ask you to move like you could see you, and I'm yeah. going, oh, you got to be kidding, guy. But no, he <laughs> he had he had a good golf game too, and uh, you know he loved to play. I I'm not sure that he was bad at much of anything, honestly, Deke. No, he was pretty no. Damn well, good you actor. think he was? An, he was great in any given an Sunday. American, I mean, lacrosse. Yeah, lacrosse. I mean, you know, the guy and he played basketball. Uh, you know, it was before my time, but I mean, when the Browns used to have that team that would go around and uh, uh, play, I'm sure you know if Jim Brown was uh, uh, playing, the, that that would, the gym would be full. That's for sure. Deke, I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, as someone who knew him well, what's something that you would want our fans to know about Jim Brown that maybe they didn't? Uh, I, you know. You know, the, you know, there's some, you know, he had some troubles in his life, but, you know, I think mm-hmm. when you get down to it, you know, uh, Jim, you know, cared about his fellow man. And, uh, uh, and, you know, I think, you know, the players that played with him respected him. Uh, and, you know, I think that's when you play, that's the ultimate goal is, is to be respected by your teammates. And I, you know, I think his teammates definitely respected Jim and, uh, uh, you know, we were very fortunate, or Cleveland was very fortunate to have the greatest of all time, you know, line up in the in the backfield here for nine years. Deke, I can't tell you uh, how much we appreciate you coming on today. Uh, it, it's so cool to have you, buddy. Great talking yeah. to you again. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Okay, anytime. Okay. That is the great Doug Deacon, of course, uh, Browns legend and uh, former radio analyst, one of the all-timers uh, calling in on the Twisted Tea Hotline. And, of course, Deke is sandbagging with Jim Brown. That's the most, of course. That's on brand for that Mr. Deacon. so great. <laughs> I don't oh, know yeah. if it was for for Jim Brown. Oh, yeah, he's But it eight. was totally – I want to know if Jim knew oh. that Deke was setting everything oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's an eight. <laughs> or he's a 15. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's amazing. That, yeah. That absolutely killed me. Uh, all right, uh, so much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
The Cleveland Browns 2023 schedule is here. Get your single game tickets now for all of the great matchups at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Visit clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets to purchase today. Um, that was that was great uh, with Hoff and with Deke to reflect on, on Jim Brown and, and their recollections of him and, and uh, of course, Deke palling around. I mean, that was just <laughs> priceless. We were just talking about it in break. Like, that – I, was Jim in on it, or was uh, that all Deke in play. just rolling, rolling, uh, rolling with the punches? I, Jim, I think follow my lead. You're a 15. It's all in play. It's all in play with Deke. <laughs> I mean, I can just see it. It's just perfect. Absolutely was. Um, so, hey, if you're um, the, I would say our digital team, uh, our writers, the video guys, they have put some of the some really cool stuff up. Um, on the on the site and um, if, if you want to if you're young if you're a younger person you're you're trying to wrap your head around the football life on Jim Brown is amazing yeah it is I wonder if they're I, I don't know if that's been um, I wonder if that that's got to be been replayed but if you can find that on the NFL network that's been very very good do you remember when um, ESPN did their uh, the sports century list yes um, where did, where did Jim end up on? It was the 50 greatest athletes of the 20th century. Um, and Jim Brown was fourth on that list. The only people he looked up to were Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth, and Michael Jordan. That's it. That's the list. And Muhammad Ali, I think if you asked him back in the day, might have put Jim Brown ahead of himself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm trying. <laughs> the next football player on the on this list was Joe Montana, was 25th. So, heavy stuff. There's a lot of good stuff out there if you want to yes. educate yourself, if you don't know. You, and you should. Around. And you should, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, the next level is coming up next. We are back tomorrow. Gerard in here at the yep. Undisclosed location. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.